0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you guys haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for the entirety of your career, well, that sucks to be you, dog. And check this out. Ladies especially, you need to go over to www.mysteryranch.com because they are making women-specific shaped yokes and belts for your Mystery Ranch Fireline Gear. What? Mind blown. So, ladies, if you are uh, looking for something that's going to fit a little bit more specific to your shape, well, I highly, highly, highly recommend and suggest going over to www.mysteryranch.com and checking out all the new swag and gear and yokes and other stuff. Speaking of swag and gear and other stuff, they make two awesome cases, actually, backpacks, cases, packs, bags, whatever. Anyways, You're going to be looking for uh, the three-way briefcase and the Urban Assault 21. And why am I saying these two specific packs? Well, that's simple because a portion of the proceeds to these uh, two particular packs are going to go back into funding the Backbone Series. And if you haven't applied for the Backbone Series, well, I highly suggest you do so. It is awesome, and if you got an awesome story you want to tell your story, well, now's your opportunity to win a thousand dollar grant to get some more education under your belt and pursue your fire fire career even farther. So, once again, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that's going to be none other than Hot Shot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. And in addition to Kick-Ass Coffee for Kick-Ass Causes. They make a ton of other stuff, like all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right and a bunch of wildland firefighter-themed apparel. It's pretty awesome. It's fun. Uh, Some tongue-in-cheek jokes, which I always appreciate. But uh, yeah, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out their full line of apparel, Kick-Ass Coffee for Kick-Ass Causes, and all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off correctly. In addition to that, go over there and check out some of uh, the Anchor Point merch. Yes, if you're looking for some of those Band of Brothers tees or some of those Fire Fiend tees, well, look no further than Hot Shot Brewing. Go check them out. Do it now. The Anchor Point podcast is also going to be brought to you by our friends over at The Ass Movement. Yeah, it's a funny name. It's kind of funny, but uh, it's actually pretty serious. Uh, It stands for the anti-surface shitting movement, and they are all about spreading the good word about burying your turds. So if you want to uh, go over there and get some sweet swag, some anti-surface shitting memorabilia, some posters, some stickers, some patches, yeah. You can even get a turd trial if you want to, if you have a problem pooper on your crew. Go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement, where you can get all of your poo bearing propaganda needs all in one place. Check this out. Also, you can get another 10% off. Listeners to this podcast you can get a 10% off their entire order site wide by using the code anchorpointass10, all one word. So go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, where you will have the opportunity to win a $500 grant to pursue your passion of telling the story of wildland fire. (gasps) Deadline is May 20th. That is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have a compelling story or something that you want to share with the world about wildland fire... Not only just here in the United States, but across the world. Well, now's your time to do it. Go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and throw your name in the hat so you can get your story told. doesn't matter if you're a blogger, a writer, a photographer, a cinematographer, anybody who's telling the story of wildland fire. Well, now's your opportunity. You have until May 20th. So go over there, put your name in the hat, tell your story, and potentially be selected for one of these Smoky Generation grants. Bethany, I want to applaud you for your efforts over there at the Smoky Generation. You have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hope everybody's doing great. I hope everybody's doing fine. I hope everybody's getting uh, some recovery in from their likely roll down to region three. Damn, that was some epic fire behavior down there. I remember uh, the wall of fire back in 2011, and it was uh, pretty gnarly, and it looks like fire behavior hasn't changed, but I guess that's kind of what it is. Did see some posts out there with some 60 mile per hour winds. Uh, Yeah, gnarly. So for all you folks out there on the line down in Region 3, stay safe and uh, yeah, keep your head on a swivel. As for the show, well, actually, let me pause that real quick. I know I uh, haven't have really been releasing episodes lately and there's a reason for that. And I uh, don't really want to go into it, but let's just say uh, I'm taking care of myself with some health concerns. And uh, yeah, it's a moving target. We still don't know what's going on, but yeah, we'll figure it out. No reason for concern hopefully <laughs> anyways today on the show i've got my good buddy who's been in the news quite a lot lately uh i know wildfire today's covered his story i know that uh cbs uh nbc uh yeah a bunch of major news organizations have covered his story and you probably likely know where i'm going with this today we're going to be talking about reprisal the fear of reprisal and what you can possibly do In case this happens to you, what better person to have on the show to talk about this very subject than my good friend, Mr. Pedro Rios. Welcome to The Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got my good buddy, Pedro Rios. Dude, you got a hell of a story to tell, man. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome. How are you doing?
0: Doing great, man. Got a new setup. You're my uh, test pilot for my new uh, little little setup I got going on here. So yeah, right, yeah. It sounds good.
1: Sounding good so far?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, good. So hopefully it makes you uh, everybody else sound good as well, especially these remote. I know I've gotten a couple of complaints for the uh, remote podcasts. So when like we're on Zoom right now, so hopefully mm-hmm. it cleans it up a little bit. But yeah. Tell us about yourself, man.
1: Uh, my name is Pedro Rios. I've been uh I've been in Wildland Fire since 2007. I started out with a uh, uh, contract crew uh, hand crew uh, firestorm 2007 to 2009 2010 11 were kind of dead seasons so i went back into construction for my last year of construction then i came back into fire in 2012 um and i was, I was back with firestorm my hand crew and then from 2012 to 2014 i was with them 2015 was when i kind of made the big jump to forest service uh I was able to get on a hand crew and an A D A D crew of all things who was a foot in the door. And Dude, that's how uh, I started I, out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, 80s, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. There, there's some badass AD crews out there, especially down to Southern California. Uh, but yeah, so I I I got on AD in a Plumas National Forest. Uh I got six or seven really good evals, and that was enough to get me hired on for the Last National Forest. Uh I, I worked there on engine eighty-one for two seasons and then uh 20, the 2018 to 2020, I uh, got a position with the Clamath National Forest on Engine 378 Grass Lake Station, and uh, yeah, the, uh, the the stuff that happened after that a bit more public. But uh, I'm, I'm still in fire, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm just back back in the private sector.
0: Back in the fi- private sector, so you're back to the contract world um, for obvious reasons,
1: right?
0: Okay, so now. Let's get into the story about what's going on and the lawsuit and how you won your case and the whole encompassing thing about fear of reprisal and doing what's right, men because this is heavy and you're all over the news right now. I know Wildfire today did a uh, story on you. I know that NBC did a new uh, a story on you and a couple of other podcasts in the fire world did it as well. Uh, they didn't do an audio episode as i'm i'm f- I'm familiar with, but uh, I know they've written about it in their blogs so, Let's take it away, man. Let's let's go from beginning to end and how this whole cluster went down.
1: Okay. If you want to go back to the nucleus of, of how kind of this all got to this level, uh I, I think it, personally, I think it really starts back in I think it was March 2019. Uh my, my son who was uh he was three years old at the time. Uh he he came down with 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 a cold and um uh, we hadn't we hadn't really noticed anything about him having any issues having colds before, but uh, this uh, that time twenty nineteen he he got really sick and my wife was getting pretty concerned, so we took him down to uh, Mercy Medical in Mount Shasta. We lived in Leeds California, uh, during all this time, and his uh, his breathing breathing was getting really really bad. It was super labored, so the doctor recommended that he be life flighted to uc davis uh in sacramento um or the sacramento area and uh it, his, his breathing got r- really bad they were able to get it a, a little bit un- under under control and it was better from what i understand that during the flight i didn't go during the flight my uh, my wife went the reason i didn't go is because i was doing uh training stuff with fire and being that i'm the breadwinner it was a difficult decision that i kind of had to stay behind but I, I trusted her um to have the best interest. Um, so once he was there, um apparently, and I have this document as actually part of the case, um, the, the doctor who examined him at UC Davis uh, said that he was so acutely critical, he was more acutely critical than their more their most severe uh child patient in their in, the, in their ICU. So he was doing pretty, pretty, pretty badly. Um he ended up staying in uh, UC Davis ICU for uh, two days and was uh, discharged from ICU, was still in hospital for another day. And uh, it, it was, it, he had a super bad uh, asthma attack. Um, that's when he was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. And uh, so yeah, that, that was always an extra thing to worry about uh, since then. And then of course the, the following year, you've got COVID um, hit in the U.S. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm real concerned as a parent because you know my my son, and uh, you know there's all you know, COVID the next plague, or, you know COVID, COVID just a flu. And for, from my perspective, you know even best case scenario, say COVID was just, was just a flu. My mentality at that time, um, my kid almost died from from just a regular cold. So yeah. what's flu gonna do to him? So I was super uh, concerned, super cautious. Uh, I had a lot lot of questions, had a lot of concerns. Um, And I believe it was in uh, March, late March or early early April, uh, I had come on as a seasonal. And uh, the the forest had been bringing uh, management uh, across the district um, from station to station to get everybody's input about about their concerns with COVID and any ideas what they could do to, to mitigate. Once we once we're once we on fire assignment, we come back to, to quarantine, and there there were a lot of ideas thrown thrown around, um, but the the overall feel that I got from those meetings is that okay, they're, they're obviously really concerned. They're sending management out to um, and, and interview a station by station, so obviously they're 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 they're, work, they're working on the plan, and this was then, you know. Uh, late March or late early April, like I said. So so
0: right at like that that first wave, that first peak, basically.
1: Yeah, pretty much when everything was starting to get shut down. Yeah, like the defecation happened. was hitting the yeah.
0: oscillation.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, 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 that built my confidence that okay, management is is, is on is on the ball. They're they're going to be they're going to be working on something. Mm-hmm. And um, so then then we we got our first fire dispatch. I think, it, if I remember correctly, it was, it was on the 4th of July. And um, we didn't know exactly where we were going to. And uh, as usual, you get a fire sign, you don't know exactly where you're going to. Um, we just knew we were going southbound. And then uh, once we went southbound, we found out we were going to Southern California. Um, which right, right then, you know, I, I knew right away it was, it was, a hot spot. was the hotspot. These are things I'm paying attention to. It. it was kind of anticipated we were going to go down south because we were next on rotation. And obviously there, there were fires going on over, over there. So we figured we'd probably be doing a fire suppression or covering stations. And so we, we, we get down there. And um, the first thing that happens is what we're engaging in fire that evening. And it's just a you know, st- standard thing. You know, you, you, you get out there, you're, you're on fire the first day. Um, you're suppressing uh, that these were uh, fireworks that started uh, these fires. So that they were relatively small. Uh, luckily, the sun's going down, so the RHs were kind of kicking up a little bit, and it wasn't a big deal to put them out. We ended up getting off shift about uh, uh, eleven o'clock or so that, that evening, and then the, the next day we went to uh, to our first uh, morning briefing. And this ended up being at, at, at a station. It wasn't just any station. The station was recently uh, um, shut down and quarantined and cleaned because people had come down with COVID there, and uh, there, 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 just that alone, there was a lot of concern amongst the strike team. Um, you know, why, why are we coming here out? How come we can't be at the, a host station instead of coming to an actual station that that came down with COVID? And so I, I think that a little bit of uh, questioning about that brought us to a different station uh, towards the middle of the day. It's kind of weird because that station too had just been shut down and quarantined and cleaned because people had come down with COVID. Uh, I, from my my understanding, it was a couple of days to a couple of weeks before uh, we showed up. So I, I don't know which one was a couple of days and which one was a couple of weeks.
0: Did it really get you a um, clear like indication of what was what, basically?
1: Yeah, it was it was, it was really vague. It was like, yeah, one one of these stations was a couple of days ago It came down, so uh, they came down with COVID, and one station was a couple of weeks ago. We, can't, we 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 don't, we don't, I don't want to say they didn't want to tell us, but it wasn't made clear which ones were which um but uh yeah i mean just among the, the strike team there was, there was a lot of concern um and so the um next few days we were uh putting out more, more fires out there um some of the fires that had already were pretty much dead out we were just gritting it because uh, it was right next to a highway so we were just making it look good and kind of what the public doesn't know you know you're you're out, you're out there to make uh to make the public feel safe rather than actually doing it, uh, anything values yeah. fire you're clearly dead out. Um but yeah, so uh so after a few days of that, I think we're only down there for about four days in total. And uh on the on that last day we were there, um our strike team leader trainee came up and told us that we're uh going to be released tomorrow and we're going home. And I was like, well, what, what, what do you mean we're going home? We're we're gonna get quarantined or something on the way. And uh, I'm like, no, we're just gonna go home. And right, right, right then and there, I'm like, "What the fuck? What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense." We're going to go on this. Uh, the management just a month or two ago was, you know, ha- having these meetings with us, telling us that they were working on something. Uh, they, 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 were, they were taking ideas from uh, people there in, in these uh, meetings, and they really made it clear that that, that they were working on something. Um, so. It, it, I, I know a lot of it's uh, centered on me with uh, kind of going against it, but the, uh, I'd say the vast majority of strike team 3600 were concerned about just going home like that.
0: Yeah. Just all of a sudden, you know, like, you know, something's up basically. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, so we, we had, we had voiced our concerns. Uh, I, I believe the strike team trainee went to the strike team actual role guidance. And uh, once, uh, we, we got word again from the actual uh, strike team actual. He came back and said, uh, Appling is standing his ground. Mike Appling, the forest app officer. And uh, once, once I had heard that, um, I was well, oh, shit, I have to think of something. I got to think of something quick. Um, so that that, that evening, we, we bedded down for the night in the hotel. And I pretty much stayed up for a good four hours. Um we probably ended up going to bed about 1, 1, one or two a.m. But um my goal was to make a uh, letter as uh as as poignant as, as possible about uh, us coming back from a COVID hot zone. Um personally, I I I didn't I thought if I made it about my kid, a lot of people wouldn't really care. So I kind I made it more about the community and the uh, um, Siski County is an older community. So there's a lot of elders that are that, that there. Yeah. So I kind of made, made, made it about that. And don't think about my family, think about your family.
0: Yeah. That's another um, thing too, is uh Siski County. I mean, that's, it, it's small communities. It's not like they have like the, uh, the resources like say Reno does per se, you know, we, right. we have hospitals and shit and we, we have the access to healthcare in case it's like a severe case of COVID that you mm-hmm. track to back you guys, not necessarily.
1: Yeah, yeah, for, for for to a large degree, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it, it would be easy for Waikiki Hospital to get to get overwhelmed, um, or even Mercy Medical and Shasta. There's just not much out there. Yeah, but uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, um, as I was writing this letter, uh, or, or this um, letter that I plan to post on, uh, I think it was Siskiyou County uh, COVID uh, awareness. Their their name changed, but at the time it was some was something about the, specifically about COVID. Um, I I, made it a point. I, I knew we were coming on the clock, which I believe was o uh, seven hundred. I, I wanted to post it early in the morning so people would see it, but I wanted to make sure I was off the clock when, when I did it. it just me being an arm armchair lawyer, like, oh, uh, well, I did it off the clock.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Well, everybody's entitled so, uh, to the First Amendment. First right, amendment yeah. Rights, right. man. Right. That's. A, I mean, but you're on. I'm, I'm,
1: not, I'm not on the clock. I can do whatever I want. Yep. Um, so I I posted it at about six fifty a.m. And uh, it was, that, that was pretty much it. I, I, I had left it at that. I mean, shit, we're, we're probably going home. I have to think of something. And then, I, I, and at that time, I was already thinking, well, I I'd probably set up my tent and uh, stay out, stay outside. Um, the, the weather's warm enough. I could probably you know, take cold showers out there with a hose. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of brainstorming what, what, what I could do um, to just kind of stay, keep myself quarantined from uh, from my kid. And uh, so about uh, eight, eight, 8 o'clock, maybe 8.30, we're at the, the, uh, a makeshift uh, I, ICP. wasn't necessarily real ICP. They just had uh, lunches and you could grab uh, um, just, just stuff you need for it throughout the day, but it wasn't like a, a dedicated uh, ICP. It was kind um, of just like
0: a makeshift kind of camp, basically.
1: Yeah, because at, at that point, uh, for Service, I think they were trying not to put in a full-fledged ICP because of the distancing that they wanted to do. Yeah. So, yeah, in and, and SoCal, um, it was weird. It was, it was an ICP, but it wasn't I ICP. Um, yeah, so I, anyway, we, we all get there as a the strike team, and then about 8.30 or so, um start getting some, some rumblings of uh, something on, on social media. And uh, I, I forget, I think it was my... Captain came up to me and was like, "Hey Pedro, did you post something on, on social media?" And uh, I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I posted about us coming back without any uh, COVID uh, protocols, any isolation." And then uh, he he went away. And then uh, the uh, uh, strike team leader came came up came up to me, and uh, there there was nothing disrespectful about our interaction. I remember exactly what what was said because um, the, the strike team leader actual. He, he was my um main captain on engine uh 378 for the time I was on on climate. Mm-hmm. It was just uh this time he he also had uh strike team actual quals and could train a strike team training. Uh so the um captain for 378 that I was with was actually um the FDO. but he was he had the captain qual, so he could be captain. Um So yeah, there there, there was some back and forth conversation, a brief conversation with me and some of the the leaders. And then um, we we were just told to load up and start heading north. And so um, after one or two stops going northbound, uh, we ended up pulling over and then pulled over again. And it was obviously why we were pulling over it. I I believe even then that the the post was bringing a lot of blowback to management. And then uh, I, I think it was by the time we got to Bakersfield, a decision was made to uh, make it to Sacramento and bed bed down for the night. Um, I, I, I think we could have made it all the way to Arica in that single day, but I think there was they were trying to formulate some some other plans for, for quarantine, which we, we we didn't know at the time. It was just me thinking what that they were possibly thinking. Um, so we ended up bedding down in Sac- Sacramento. And during that uh, stay in Sacramento that evening, me and the Strike Team Actual talked to the uh, uh, d- uh, district management, Drew Stroberg and uh, Phil Horland, uh over over the phone. And uh, so my, my captain, w- uh, Strike Team Actual, he was already aware of my uh, issue, the, the life light that I had with my son the year before, my, my concerns. Yeah, this is like so an
0: extremely had, hazardous situation for your son. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, so he, he had already made that pretty uh, clear with the management my, my concerns and, and why I possibly did what what, what I did. Um, so when I when I talked to uh, Stroberg and Bill Borderman, um, they they were, they were asking me like, why, why why did you do it? Um, why why did you go about it that way? And i like, well, you know, we 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 had voiced our concerns to the strike team leader, and the strike team leader said Appleton was standing his ground. Um. Obviously, my uh, captain, Strike so Team told you about the the issue that I have I had with my son last year and my continued concerns with it. So I was I was expecting uh, some some kind of uh, isolation protocol, especially with uh, with the uh, meetings that we had that that you guys did earlier in, in the year, um, saying that, that that you're working on something. And uh, I mean, Stro- Stroberg—he uh, was just like, uh, I, I don't know what's what's going to happen with with Pedro. Uh, in, in my in my opinion, this was very unprofessional. And uh, in my, my opinion, mentality. what's that? In my opinion, yeah, there, 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 there was a lot of my opinion. You'll see a lot of that in uh, more more documents.
0: Yeah, I'm actually um, reading through your uh, verdict uh, right now, okay. and it's, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to find out what. I'm trying to look up some like USC codes right now. So, but keep going. I'm trying to like figure out what, what you were protected under. Okay. Yeah. Well, go um, ahead. Sorry, man.
1: No, no, no you're, you're fine. Uh, so yeah, as I, as I was having this uh, phone conversation, I was just, I, I, I was, I was answering the questions, but I was also staying quiet because I was pretty disappointed with, with management and their, 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 their handling of, of COVID mitigation. Um, it was, uh, not fun. Um, I, I, I was, I was told a couple of times by the captain and in, in the engine that like, you probably don't have a job anymore after this. And, um, uh, I mean, I, I, that, that, that's a pretty stressful thing to go through, but I mean, what, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to kiss management ass or protect my kid? And it's, it's a pretty, pretty, easy choice for me, even though the outcome wouldn't, wouldn't have been fun either way.
0: I get it, man. And once you start having kids, man, I just, I mean, I have one on the way right now. He's June, doing June 12th or no, sorry, June 10th. And then uh, I have a one-year-old as well. And Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, dude, it changes your life dramatically when you have kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, if, uh, if, if I didn't have a kid and we were coming back from, from Southern California, I probably would have been annoyed and pissed off like it, like most of the other strike team was but. At the end of the day, I, I probably would have just shut my mouth and been disappointed with management, like everybody usually is. Yeah. But because they, because my concern extended to my son, it was like you kind of leave me no choice. I kind of have to be a good parent now and do do, do what I can. I mean, at, at this point, you're you're, my, you're you're not you're not management anymore. You're my enemy. So I, I have to do what, what I what I have to do to, uh, to make, keep keep my son safe. And if that means not having a job, then I am okay. just find a job somewhere else. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, after that long conversation, it was a bit 30 minutes, we were on the phone with them. Um, we, we bedded down for the rest of the night in Sacramento, and we were coming back up uh, north to, to Wairika. And I think we got to Wairika about nine or t- 10 or 11 in, in the morning. We left pretty early the next day. Um, and, you, you, you know, when, when you come back as a strike team, usually, um engines will pair off and go to their own district. It's it's just faster that way over on the highway. yeah, but we were told to to stay together and go to the Virika shipyard. And so we knew there's something something was going on. Um, and what once we got there uh, after a little bit, uh, Mike Appling, fire staff officer showed up. and he was actually surprisingly super apologetic about uh, everything um. And he, he basically, he 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 called us guinea pigs, um, which never never sit with me the, the right way. Um, I'm sure if he talk to anybody else that was on the threat team 3600, they'll, they'll verify for sure. Like yeah, he called us guinea pigs, <laughs> and especially the straight uh, team actual. He, he, he was there for the whole thing. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I I can understand management's perspective. Like yeah, COVID is kind of an unprecedented thing. I haven't really had a national or worldwide play like like this since the spanish flu but i mean come on you guys were sending emails you guys were coming out to districts um get, getting getting people's feedback and then you had nothing in place
0: well they also had national direction as far as how they were supposed to handle it i mean it was all kind of boiled down to the individual district level during that whole pandemic but still we right. yeah. had See, an outline, we had it it. Outlined, right
1: yeah. I mean, the, the, way, the, the way that document you're talking about, what was worded, um, a lot of gray it, area. It, yeah. It gave a lot of broad discretion to, uh, to, to forest. So, I mean, they they could basically not do anything and nothing's going to happen to them. So, I mean, and I I think climate national forest management took them to challenge on that because they did nothing. <laughs> um, so anyway, after this long, uh, Feel by, uh, appling, uh, come to find out he's going to keep us together as a strike team. And we're going to go, we're going to, uh, be on patrol throughout the West side of the district. So, uh, Oakmole district and, uh, Scott salmon district. Um, and we ended up doing that for a good, uh, six or seven days. Um, and I think that six or seven days was because, uh, once you're once we were away from the hot zone those days we were out of the hot zone driving back counted as a uh, quarantine days because at that time in july 2020 it was eight days before you started showing any uh, covid symptoms so i i think the goal was to get to that eight days to see if to anybody see, pops hot yeah see if see if anybody starts having symptoms um and so after that eight days um, no, nobody was showing symptoms so uh Appleyard broke up the crew and we went our way, and I hadn't heard anything back from, uh, from from management until the 14th of July in an email from Drew Strober, and uh, this is in the documents as well. I don't have I don't have it on me, uh, so I can't quote verbatim. But um, Strober basically takes responsibility for uh, finalizing that he determined I, I, I did no wrongdoing. Um, but in his opinion, again, um, he find, he found the way I went about it unprofessional. Uh, he accused me not going up the chain of command, it's bullshit, I went up the chain of command a couple times. And he, even the way the, uh, uh, court and the, the, the whistleblower, uh, act works, I didn't have to go up the chain of command. I, I, I could have posted whatever I wanted to on social media. Yep. So You're actually going protected. up the chain of command, what's up?
0: You're completely protected under a whistleblower act.
1: Yeah being, yeah, being the way that the Whistleblower Act was worded, I, I, I didn't I didn't have to do a damn thing going up the chain of command, um, but I didn't. Um, but th- th- there was this prevailing thing for a long time. And I think even after the year of initially reporting, I was fired for a whistleblower or fired for posting on social media was, oh, you should have went up the chain of command. You know, that, that was the number one complaint for people who, who, who were against me. I uh, was, uh, you need to go to chain of command. The chain of command was met several times over, and I didn't have to go to chain of command. Um, so that, that, that's, that's really awesome to be uh, indicated in that part, too. Um, so a- after that uh, that whole whistleblower thing happened, um, I get the July 14th email from Drew Stroger. Um, I, I, I thought things had gone back to normal, but there was a new element that I didn't notice about myself and that I was super pissed off, uh, really negative. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty sarcastic person by nature, but I, I, I guess. I think that's kind misleading. of all of
0: us though. I mean, we're all kind of like cynics and it's like, it's like a defense mechanism of, or a coping skill almost. It's kind yeah, of like,
1: I think for wildland fire, you, you, you kind of need that attitude. You kind of have to be a smart ass and, uh, kind of be the kind of person that, uh it has kind of a dark sense of humor and a little bit of a dark attitude.
0: Oh yeah. hundred um, percent.
1: But uh, yeah. So yeah. Like, like I said, this was uh, a, a few weeks that I, I, apparently I was just being very, very negative uh, things that I weren't saying. I was constantly dogging on, on management, apparently more than usual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, my my captain at, at the time, not the strike team actual. He was he was he had a lot. Of, my my captain was pretty qualified. He wore a lot of hats, and most of the season he was the battalion chief for the uh, goose nest, a district ranger because the other battalion chief had left for a different job. Um, so my captain was a, a different captain who was normally the FBO. Um, I, I don't have anything against guys. Great guy I him to and fire, but the. Uh, my the, that captain had come up to me and said that my uh, attitude is affecting the morale of uh, the, the crew, and that kind of took me back. And uh, I was, I, I, I apologized to him. And I, you know, uh, yeah, after the whole, whole COVID thing, I, I guess I was pretty pretty bitter about how mad handled things. But I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do what I can to, to improve. Um, and that, that was that was basically it. There wasn't any disrespectful back and forth. It was kind of an understanding. It wasn't like and
0: insubordination I, or any like terminable offense, right?
1: No, he was, he, was, he was, just giving me the standard verbal warning, but the, it was, it was, it was, it was very respectful. There was, not, there was no bad, bad, uh, uh back and forth or, or, or anything. And, um, so, um, around this time, I, uh, offers to start going with a crew called crew 71 and Crew 7-1 was extremely short-staffed. They only had about uh, seven people, a crew boss, and six uh, firefighter twos. None of them had any wildlife fire experience whatsoever. Um, So if if they wanted to go on on, on any fires, um, district management wanted someone to supervise, supervise, have a second supervisor instead of the crew boss. Um, So I I, I was reluctant because the... uh, um, crew boss, um, Mario Alvarez. He, he was someone that I had always had a bad reputation, but when I was working on the last national force, he was a uh, engine boss and no, no, nobody liked him. Uh, everybody uh, always said, he had a bad attitude and, uh, was not an easy guy to work with. And, uh, so when I went to the climate National Forest, I found out he was a crew boss for uh, seven one. And, um, uh, I, I, I had even turned down training assignments to go on, on his crew just, be, just because of his, his, his reputation. And from what I, I had only been around him when he was around his, his crew once, now at the station, and uh, the, the crews were, were washing the rigs, and uh, he was getting out a uh, clear glove and wiping the um, hood of the trucks to see if there was any dirt on it, and if there was, he'd make him clean the trucks again. And when when I when I saw that, I'm, okay, I'm I made a good call. Never never going with this guy. I'm not, not going to deal with that kind of bullshit because that wouldn't fly with me at all. Um, but there was there, there was a, a bit of pressure on management for me to go with crew seven and they they, they kind of pulled at my uh, heartstrings a little bit because they were telling me these guys are seasonals like you. Um, if you don't know, go with them, there's nobody else to go with them, so we can't get on any fires. Uh, Your qualifications can give them uh, fire assignments. So I was like, uh, okay, I'll I'll go go ahead and go with them. Yeah. And um, so we ended up doing one day on uh, the 2019 lava fire. There's a lava fire in 2020. That's not the same one. Uh, There's a lava fire in 2019. And it it, it was an underburn that kind of went into a lava rock. So it wasn't, you weren't going to put this fire out. You just had to keep eyes on it. Just so check I, it up. every I,
0: time it kind of like pops up. Yeah. yeah, one of those fires. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and so we were basically just watching it to uh, keep an eye out to make sure it didn't go towards Doris, little town in that in that area. And uh, so we, we we monitored it all, all day. Um, didn't have I didn't have any issue with Mario, um, and that, that that was the end of it. And uh, a few days later, I ended up going back with him on a um, the crew seven one on a fire called the Cherry Fire. And it, it was pretty much the same thing. We, we, we it, was, it was it was basically an almost dead fire. There, were, there was some activity on it, but it was probably good for a firefighter to choose to, to be on because they can kind of get a feel for what you know continuous fire line looks like, what it should look like. Um, we good were doing like a good, yeah, yeah, good, good training fire, and we were getting our fifty to hundred foot depth. It was like it was a thirty-three acre fire. Um, he took one flank with some people. I took another flank with a couple other people. And uh, it, was, it was a good day. Um, I didn't really have any interaction with the crew boss that day because we were able to go two different planks. And uh, we were expecting to stay for a couple of days, but that ended up just being a one-day gig. Um, the, the big uh, fire that I was on that kind of shit the fan was about a week later. We went to this fire called the Little Soda Fire, about 600 acres. And th- th- this was the first active fire for, for these Firefighter 2s. Um, and I, I, at that point, um, I j- just getting just going with them on a little sort of fire took more coasting because I I was pissed off that management kept coming to me um, to go with crew seven one because one they had a, um, a, tr- a patrol people who were you know uh, they they were GS five GS six qualified you know how, how about you keep them and have them have them go with uh, crew seven one instead of letting them go out on fire assignments, you know, just driving around. Um, yeah, cause at that, I, I was also a bit bitter because at that point I was six seasons in the forest service. I applied for over 300 positions. I was, uh, I see five qualified. And yet here I'm, I'm still a seasonal GS4. It's like, you know, why, why are you not hiring me permanently at least as a GS4 so I can get my GS5, GS6 uh, at some point. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, there was frustration coming from, from me on, on that front as well. It's
0: kind of like that snowball um, effect, basically. It's just like all this shit's kind of piling up.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, my, uh, um, the the strike team actual slash captain slash battalion, he, he, he called me as a battalion uh, and kind of said to me, if, if you go with Crew 7-1, I'll, I'll look at it as a personal favor to you. And when he said that, I was like, you don't, you don't have to do that. And this guy, I mean, he, he signed off a couple of my taskbooks. He giving me plenty of opportunities. If, if anything, he's the last person in fire that owes me anything. So I told him, I'll, I'll, I'll go on Crew 7-1. Um, but he did assure me that that was the last time I was going to go on Crew 7-1. So with, with that in mind, I, I, I went with uh, Crew 7 to the, the little soda fire. And uh, the, the, the few days we were on, on the little soda fire, um, that first day I, I, I could tell, uh, you the guys, they were, uh, ha- having, having a rough time because it, it, it was, that, it's that part of the uh, West side of the climate that's infamous, you know, steep terrain. It's, uh, you know, steep, steep foliage, you know, at some point you take one step forward, you go two steps back just because you're slipping so much.
0: Yeah. You need to tie I'm a cord around like trees or not cord, but, uh, like pee hose around trees just to shimmy up the damn things.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, both and in some cases. Yeah, whatever you can do to get up the hill, and stuff sometimes. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, these were new guys. Um, some of them were having a hard time. Uh, you could definitely tell who was in shape and who was out of shape. Uh, but one thing that bothered me, um, I didn't say anything because, like I said, I wanted to keep things kosher, um, was that crew uh, boss Mario, he was going way, way ahead of the slower guys. And the way I, I was trained when I was on the hand crew is you're only as fast as slow as a person. Oh, 100%. So you, you should always go as, as, as a crew. Don't leave your slower people behind.
0: Well, there's also a different pace with like a PT hike. And that's when you're like hauling yeah. ass. Mm-hmm. And there's right. fire pace where you're, you know, moving with a purpose, but you're not like dragging ass or trying to push yourself way too mm-hmm. hard up the hill. So you're spent at the top.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so my, my Mario and, and the big hike crews, they were going way ahead. And I was. I had a couple of scribblers in, in, in the back. Um, and I and I was putting zero, zero pressure on him because I, I know, especially being a new firefighter, one guy, he was from Oklahoma, so he'd never seen a mountain before he came to California, yeah. you know. So uh, um, I, I just kept telling him, hey, you guys go go at your own pace. The bus side of the planet is no joke. You guys need to slow down or even stop. Do what you have to do to get yourself up that hill as safely as possible. Um, and I, I was telling him, you know, we're, we're only a six-seven-man module. If this fire gets out of control, there's nothing we're gonna be able to do to contain it, um, especially with the lack of experience we, we have we have on the crew. So we guys just do what we have to do to, to get up there safely. Don't worry about speed. And so uh, eventually we get up there, and uh, they, these guys see see fire for the first time, and yeah, it's 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 ripping pretty good. Not the, the, the super concerning fire, but if if, if you're new to fire. That's probably pretty damn intimidating
0: for you. Oh yeah, well this is a new crew with little experience, and it's late July on the Klamath. It's what is it, July twenty yeah. eighth? Is what you're uh, yeah saying? There. No, the, yeah, that sounds the right. Document saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So uh, anyway, uh, when when we got there, um, there was actually a shot crew uh, ahead of us, so that they were putting in uh, the the line for the uh, east blank. and basically what we were doing was cleaning up their their east flank. Um, so they could progress faster and uh there, there was a couple of spots that we cleaned up a little better there was super duffy some spots were several feet of uh just straight duff and uh but yeah we, we, were, we were doing what we can to you know um, keep 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 the line good and the shots were doing what shots do and uh yeah we were basically just doing our best to hold, hold the back door with the experience that, that we had um but yeah it, it was an opening experience for for these new, new guys, and there were trees falling volunteer and they, they were freaking out. And uh, I, I, I could, I totally understand that. I remember my, my first season, like first time I heard a tree fall, like, what the fuck that I just signed up for.
0: Dude, to uh, this day, if I hear like you know that sound like hinge or like Hingewood makes, or like, like you have like a I don't know a. Right, that's tree, slow
1: like a crackling.
0: Yeah, that's or that uh like a snag that's blown in the wind and it makes that like creaking sound. Dude, that right, shit yeah. still it's like hairs up my down my spine. You <laughs> oh. know,
1: yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, so on, on, on this fire, um, like I said, it, it was super steep. Um, at, at this point, it's getting so steep that there's there's no we're not, we're not worried worried about the foliage anymore. It's just the the ground is so smooth and so steep that that same thing one step forward, two steps back. And we're using our tools to trying and hoist this up and uh, clear clear up what we can in the meantime. But anyway, I don't know if I'm running too long with this. But long, long story all short, time down
0: the world, dude.
1: Okay. Um it um, was it was it was it was a good experience for, for rookie firefighters for, for sure. Um it really gave them a good idea how how heavy and how hard and heavy it can get out there. Um we were uh out there for, for the whole day. I think mean, by the time we started leaving the, that fire line, it was probably about 10 or 11 o'clock at, at night. And uh so this is everyone's first night nighttime walk out on, on, on the fire line. And uh I was I was starting to hear some complaints about how people's legs were hurting and the sawyer was complaining about how his shoulder was hurting. And uh and so I, I, I was taking all these, I was, I was pretty much not, noting everything. I could tell them day one cruise hurting. Um but anyway, we eventually get back down to the bridge and we stay at this uh nice little campsite and we could bed down for the night. And uh that first night I'm already hearing people talking about their their, their legs and their thighs cramping. Um, didn't seem like it was major, but uh, you know what, what, when it happened, so some of the guys were laughing about it, and I understand laughing about it, um, especially if you're not familiar with what that means. But that first day, that I, it was clear to me that okay, some guys are um, being are, are dehydrated. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was just telling everybody if, if you guys get in leg cramps, even if you're not pound as much water as you can, um, uh, keep keep a bottle of water next to your bed. Wake up, wake up in the middle of the night, take a nice good swig. In the morning, drink pound a whole other bottle of water before you before your day starts. Was, um, little,
0: was that half and half Gatorade and water? That's always a good one too. Yeah,
1: yeah, half and half. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there, there was there were no issue drinking Gatorade. They were drinking Gatorade with the water. Well, when I started new firefighters, it's always always thing. The Gatorade. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there, there was a kid back in two thousand eight. All he had in his backpack was, was Yuhu and the the crew boss is like, what the fuck you, why do you have fucking YooHoo in your, in your line gear? And the guy is like, it's not chocolate. And so uh, you no, know, the, uh, he's like, why do you have fucking chocolate milk in your line gear? Like it's not chocolate milk. It's you who,
0: Oh Jesus. <laughs>
1: and he, like, he, 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 didn't, he didn't last you too, too long after that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, coming back to to this uh, little soda uh, day two, um, Everybody's obviously a little little hurt. They've done on fire like this before. I mean, even me, I, I was probably three or four years removed from, from the increase. It was kicking my ass a little bit, especially the, the hike up. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody was, was uh, hiking a little bit slower. You could tell some people were hurting already just on day beginning of day two. Um, so my, my, my concern was you know, obviously you want to keep them busy so we can secure what line we can, but you also want to make sure you're not overexerting them.
0: Yeah, you can't um, break them off like first thing in the morning, man. I mean, they're ineffective yeah, all day, or it, even it, worse, they go down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably a good. It, it feels like a mile, mile and a half hike up, but just the steepness, it probably was only half a mile to, to get there. Um, but yeah, once once we got there, we were on the same piece of ground. We just had to hold it and improve what was what was there. And uh, again, we were split. Uh, Mario had taken the top half of the um, fire, fire line. I was on the bottom to the middle of the fire line and that's where, where we were meeting throughout the day. Um, and uh, so for, as, as far as the east-west flank break, uh, Elephant Head had showed up later that day, 20-man hand crew out of Utah, and they took that uh, west side. And uh, yeah, so for, for, for that west rest of the day we are on that uh, east side flank. And, uh, that late afternoon, um, there was some guys on, on Mario's flank on Mario's crew who had come down to our flank, uh, to drop off some, some hose packs that are starting to get their, uh, hose line down. And, uh, I, I I had looked at, looked at these guys and I, they, they were pretty tired, you know, um. I had I noticed this one guy. I'm, I'm terrible with names. I forget some of these guys' names. But this this one dude, he, he he looked like he was in good shape, like hot shot shape, great great physique. Looked like he 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 could definitely he was a runner. in great shape, but he he was shaking. He was notably shaking. And the first thing I asked him when I noticed that I was like, Hey, have you taken the lunch today? And I was he he said no. And I was like, Put put your pack down. Grab some food. Drink drink some water. Take a break. And uh, so as, uh, I, I asked him, there, there was another guy uh, with them He wasn't doing quite as bad, but I told him to take a break, too. But I had asked him, has Mario given you guys a, a, any breaks? And they're like, no, he just hasn't given us anything. And I'm like, yeah, just sit there for a good 10 15 minutes, uh, pound a bunch of water. Um, not too much water you want to kind of conserve a little bit, but pound a decent amount. Um, make, make sure make sure, you're fucking eating. Like, it make sure you have some snacks open your mre uh, that we we're eating them mres um to make sure you're you're eating throughout the day if it's just you know open up your mre and you got m&ms put that m&m in your pocket and just snack on it through, throughout the day and once that's empty go on your mre and grab another snack and put it. just keep something at, at the ready don't go all day without eating
0: yeah well it's like these new guys and new girls that are on the crew man they haven't been seasoned to like learn how to eat on the go and keep it going, like snacking all day either. So, I mean, it's not like anybody tells you that shit. You kind of got to figure it out or, you know, I mean, I,
1: I personally, I would think the crew boss would tell them that shit, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's those hard lessons learned, you know, until you like actually figure it out.
1: Um. So yeah, the, the rest the rest of the day, it ends up being pretty standard. What, what what you'd expect when you were starting to put the hose laid down, people are hiking out with more hose. Um, we, we, end up getting off the fire at a decent time, probably 8 PM and we're, we're hiking out and we're going back to the same camp we were before. And day two, um, more guys are complaining about their leg cramps and even me at the end of that second day, I was doing some little bit of uh, cramps in the back, back, of my thighs and my cup, I drink more water. Um, so yeah, that, that evening happens. And then the, the next day we go back up, um, as, as, as we're lining out um, throughout that morning, I, I I hadn't heard that there was a, any issues with any uh, guys talking about uh, uh, throwing up or anything serious at, at that point. So and it was my assumption that we were all good to go. And as soon as we start hiking back up that hill, um, the guy who ended up going down for Rabdo, I, I noticed he was uh, going super slow and he, he was shaking quite a bit. And uh, once he started using his tool as a, a walking stick, I, I he looked even worse, like he was about to fall over. And I asked him, if every time you take a step, do you feel like you're about to fall over? And he said, yeah. So I immediately told him to um, put his pack down, put his tool down, um, open up your shirt, uh, start drinking some water. Um, I, 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 I suspected rabdo pretty much right, right, right away. Um, now, after that, I call uh, Mario over the radio and it probably took about five or six uh, calls for him to answer. Um, I, I was assuming because of where we were in relation to where he was. Yeah, um, it was just like a dead maybe, zone maybe, or something. Yeah, I mean, it got, it got a little steep and there was a little hole like, that he could hear us. Um, but it, it, it turns out in court documents, uh, one of the guys who testified for me who was on 371, Mario w- w- was ignoring his, his radio calls. Um, but uh, yeah, after a while, I ended up getting a hold of Mario, and uh, we, we initiated a, a medical response for the, the patient that went down, and uh, he ended up being uh, taken to Warwick Hospital where he was officially diagnosed with rhabdo, um, but it, 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 was, it was crazy seeing him uh, change so fast, so he, he went from shaking to uh, sweating, to, to not sweating, and his skin with a couple shades lighter little pale um out. yeah yeah and uh I, I I was telling him to drink water but i, I, I even then I knew you body can only drink so much water. Absorb it so, so much so I mean, he really needed to be um he backed out of there um but yeah um we ended up we ended up safely safely getting him to very slowly walk down the fire line and uh eventually they got more vehicle drove back and he was he backed out to our local hospital he was in ICU for uh, I think two or three days and he was discharged and from my understanding, he went back for another two days in, in ICU for, uh, uh, his rhabdo or just the damage from the rhabdo, his insides was, uh, forced him to go back to ICU essentially.
0: Yeah. Rhabdo is not a um, joke, man. It'll, it will kill you.
1: Absolutely. It yeah. will I mean, kill it's you. It's documented. It has support. yep board. Um, but yeah, so, um, that, that evening he was taken to, uh, to the hospital uh, we, we we had an, an AAR, and in that AAR, I mean, from what I had talked to with my, uh, to the battalion chief, I knew that was going to be my last role was the 371, so I thought it was real important to kind of talk about the elephant in the room, and w- which was um, the, the guys, while Mario had taken, had went to visit the patient in Wairika, the guys were telling me, yeah, tr- uh, I almost said his name. Um, the patient had, uh, thrown say, up, don't say no. his
0: name, not name.
1: the, uh, patient had, uh, threw up thrown up about five times before we went on that hike. I was like, well, well, well how, that wasn't how did reported. I mean,
0: what's that? That wasn't, they known to everybody else.
1: No, that wasn't no, no, nobody. I, I didn't know about it. I don't, I don't know if, if Mario knew about it. I know Mario knew about the last time he threw up, which was in his vehicle on the way over to the fire. I don't know if if Mario knew the other times he had thrown up. Um, it wouldn't put it past me that Mario did know know about that. Just knowing how little he cares about his kids, crew members. Um, Mario, unfortunately, he's uh, he, there. There have been several incidences where um, they, they they've gone off on forest assignment, and then it turns out somebody has gone down for dehydration and come back um, to the forest, and and, and they're su- and they're suddenly on light duty for. A long period of time, so um, I, I, I think it's pretty well documented that Mario has a history of uh, people going down on his crew. I think the thing is that uh, it hasn't been directly attributed to his lack of uh, safety. Um, so yeah, once 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 all, once all that information was made available to me, I thought it was real important that I bring that up to Mario, and I basically just told Mario um, again, trying trying to be respectful of I know. I don't have I don't really care for him, and I know it's going to be our last interaction. I just want to try and stay kosher. Um, I, I I told him essentially something along the lines of, uh, "Travis threw up uh, a bunch of times, and I heard you were, you were aware, aware of one of them. Um, if that happens, you know that's uh, he, he's dehydrated. So we, we should reassess before we hiked up the hill in the first place." Um. And Mario, he just smiled and, and, and nodded. Um, didn't, didn't say anything else, and that, that was the end of the AAR. And we all went our separate ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and, uh, as as far as uh, trying to stay kosher with uh, Mario through, throughout all the times going out with with his hand crew, um, the, the the forty mile fire, it was kind of kind of my my own personal lessons learned about the 40 mile fire and going on crew crew seven one and not having a bad relationship with my superior, because we've seen what happened, what the what could potentially happen with the 40 mile fire and people um, take sides, nothing gets done. And if shit hits the fan, people lose their lives. So, and especially with that, with the lack of experience on, on, on the crew that could definitely have been a possibility on uh, uncontrolled and contained fire.
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent, man
1: um so yeah i mean that, that, that's pretty much the, uh, the end of it uh as, as far as uh, what, what i took away from that from a positive note i i, I thought it, at the end of the fire season i thought even with all the bullshit i had gone through and um for, for better or worse i thought that was probably my highlight of the season was that i might have saved some, someone's life and i took a lot of pride in that and then uh once i started getting these uh, eeo documents um i discovered that the way it was framed. Mario uh, initiated the medical and said that I had a bad attitude and I was yelling at him and that I had a shit work ethic. And uh, he, he told that to Stroberg and Stroberg just wanted a um, document uh, of, of evidence for that um, because obviously they were uh, trying to build a case against me to hire to not hire me for the 2021 season. But you know, even the judge noted Stroberg did no fact checking. He he, he did no uh, interview with Mario to get the details. He did no interview with myself to get the details. He did no interview with anybody else on that on that fire to get details. So uh, based on the uh, evidence of of the other witness testimony from someone else who was on Crew Seven One, and uh, he he decided that uh, yeah the uh, strong motive for, for retaliation on Strober's part, but uh, no evidence on Mario for his statements, uh, saying that I was a troublemaker, essentially, and a uh, bad work ethic.
0: So I'm reading through the uh, court document here, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like following along with your story. And yeah, I'm I'm looking at this. Appellate uh, return from this little certified... Ag- and Groding reported to Stroberg that the appellate had a negative attitude in his belief that he was bringing down morale of the crew. And there was no, it basically goes on to say that there, everybody else who testified on your behalf, uh, said, no, you've never had a bad attitude. So yeah, man, that's, that's right. And it, it, was, yeah. it was
1: just because I, I, I bruised Mario's ego. So he, he wanted to come back with, oh, yeah, you know, this guy had a bad attitude. Um, he was a bad, bad worker. Just um, things like that, um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of support from uh, people who were who actually worked uh, in, in fire who gave who gave me that testimony. I'm super appreciative of them for for, for that testimony. Um, I think just as far as documents for from my side, I think that will so the fire incident uh is the most important because i I think it takes away it really puts a hole in a lot of strober's arguments like strober saying i had a bad attitude on that fire when i was going through all the bullshit with management and not being wanting to be on 7-1 that showed that you know i was i was still able to, to perform my duty i was able to potentially save someone's life um i was able to Take a role as a leader and uh, keep these group these people safe. Um, have a good eye. And make sure they're uh, make, make 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 sure they're, they're hydrated. Well, one of the the things that's not in the in the um, judge decision that uh, I, I I wish there's audio and video. Of. I'm not sure if there actually is or how to access it. Maybe I'll to talk talk to my attorney about that. Um, Drew Stroberg, when he was on the stand. Um, he blamed the patient for getting rhabdo. He said that the, the patient should have drank more water. And that that, that was the only time in the, in the, in the court hearing I remember where there was a, just a collective silence. Like, how are you going to blame the victim not drinking enough water? Like there's only so much water you can drink. Yeah. And it, 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 it just. And plus, it, well, water's
0: a, a, that's like not the reason you get rhabdo. Rhabdo is a breakdown of your muscle tissue and your liver and your kidneys can't, filter it out yeah, and right. the process coming it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean the water yeah, obviously I mean, is going to help but right it's a bigger issue this is physical activity you're like right. working I mean, yourself yeah. to death
1: pretty much everything you're saying is the reason i was uh, when he said that that highlighted to me the disconnect between firefighters and management they 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 have no clue and they don't want to have a clue um but yeah like pretty much like you're saying there, there um, there's only so much water you can drink water isn't the only factor um conditioning has a huge part in it if, if if the patient had five seven seasons he probably could have done that all day especially if it was already on a hanker um but because he was a new firefighter and didn't have that conditioning i i, I think conditioning played a huge factor in why that happened to me um and i i think if we were out there for a couple of days longer it probably would have been inevitable that there would have been multiple cases of, uh, of rhabdo because the, the guys, they, they were struggling. You could tell them they were struggling and everybody knows what side of the Clam is a joke. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, it, it was really eye opening to hear Stroberg uh, say what he said on the stand.
0: I'm like shaking my head in silence right now for the people that are on the audience. <laughs> Oh man. I mean, I've dealt with rabdo myself and unfortunately I've, I've pushed some people too far and have actually been a contributing factor in them getting rabdo. but I know how much of a joke or how much of a serious situation it is. It's not a joke. Rabdo is some serious shit. Like I said earlier, it can kill you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I, well, what I was doing, I, I felt like the, the, the crew boss Mario should have been doing, he should have been keeping an eye out on an inexperienced crew with no line experience, knowing he's going to be on the West side um, of people um, talking about aches and pains because it, it could just be, you know, it, it aching bones, aching muscles, but it could also be uh, a super early sign of uh, a dehydration and, and possibility of rhabdo. But um, it, he didn't seem like he was concerned about anything other than just getting on top of the hill the next day.
0: Yeah. That mission blindness, man, that's, mm-hmm. This, yeah. We all know what uh, he, establishes uh, you as a leader.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that's a big thing for him. Um, I think it's just that that mission blindness. He's only thinking about that shift and the and the next day the next shift. He's not thinking about crew crew fatigue, diminishing returns, um,
0: task focus.
1: Yeah, task focus. Um, uh, does he even go through his his tens and eighteen before engaging in the fire? I don't know. Probably not. Um but uh yeah I, I, once once all that that whole thing happened, it was really eye opening of why people don't respect Mario, why Mario has issues uh keeping a crew together. Um yeah, I mean I I, I think I've said all, all I could say about the the, the incidents. It's just even now I'm just kind of flabbergasted that it hadn't to go to that to that level.
0: Well it didn't have to, that's the thing. Is it never should have went there in the first place, but yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I think under a different uh, leadership, different crew boss, that wouldn't have happened.
0: I mean, it's easy to postulate on that, but I mean, I get it, dude. I get it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I, I I just mean from his from his past history and his reputation.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, I I've never worked with any of these folks, of course, but I mean, right? We do have. Uh, types of leaders out there that are just so, uh, task focused and they, uh, I guess that old school mentality of like, shut the fuck up and dig and don't mm-hmm. come to me with your problems. I don't want to hear them. That shit needs to die. In my opinion, that, that mentality, it needs to die. <laughs>
1: For for the most part, yeah, I, I I I think there's a time and a place for it. Like if, well, if you're yeah. on a
0: within reason, there is absolutely hundred uh, okay. Easy. Okay,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, if you if, you, if you're on a an IA and you need to get ahead uh, of a fire and put a good flank on it, and somebody's you know, ask, hey, I really need to go pee. <laughs> just shut up and dig. You know, piss piss your pants and you know, turn turn around, pull pull your pants down and take a piss real quick, but shut the fuck up and get to work. But uh, yeah, I mean. It, it does kind of depend on the, on the situation. I, I don't want to say, yeah, just outright get rid of it. But yeah, but I, I think you said a good time and place
0: for it. There's a time and place for it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's with discretion, oh, you know?
1: Right. You got to take mm-hmm. care
0: of your... If you take care of your subordinates, if you take care of the people under you, they're just going to work harder for you, man. That's leadership yeah. 101. Absolutely. So moving on to the next part of uh, this, uh, there were some issues right there about you applying for not only the permanent positions as a uh, GS5, but also mm-hmm. uh, there was some behind the scenes conversations and uh, on your, let's see, it's a, in his resume appellate wrote that his objective was to disgruntled as perm, to be disgruntled as co-workers.
1: Yeah. You know, objective was, to be as disgruntled as, as co-workers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there, there was a couple of things. In, in I can the, tell in you were pissed board, when you said that. So, so, so he says, um, so with, with that resume, I actually got accepted to, to another forest, uh, Tr- Shasta Trinity National Forest. And I, I was second in line for a permanent position. If that person ended up taking a different offer or what have you, uh, I would have gotten called and a position on there. So, uh, not only was it not super offensive to somebody else who almost landed me a, a, a position in, in another forest. Um, I, I, I think there was, def- there was definitely a lot of playing up things for that resume to, to get rid of me. I, I think uh, it, it, in, a, in a sense, I kind of gave uh, Stroberg a golden ticket with, with that resume um, because he's obviously trying to get rid of me. But uh, like, like the judge said in his decision, um, that application is actually separate from seasonal position. So while um, Stroberg would have had a right to dismiss that application, Uh, My seasonal hire is on a, uh, is is completely separate from that.
0: Yeah, there's two different lists there's a merit and a DEU, and they're different for perm and seasonal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, basically, what it boiled down to was uh, um, in the the judge's ruling, he said that uh, they made a one time, fairly unique decision not to hire me as a seasonal uh, with a permanent application. And uh, so that was. uh, um, uh, the judge felt that that was part of uh, re- retaliatory motives.
0: And but this whole like resume that you wrote, right? This is all post facto of the fire season that you endured with the soda fire and all that stuff, correct?
1: Yeah, that was probably I probably uh, made that in August of 2020. So yeah, that was just a little bit after the soda fire stuff. So.
0: Yeah, but I mean, do you bring up. I mean, I'm not advocating to um, you know write this in a resume if you're if you're trying to apply for a job. However, you bring up some great points here, honestly. And that's like that whole grassroots thing that we're talking about. I mean, the whole ability to live off of $15 an hour since 2007.
1: I thought that was a good one.
0: I mean, yeah. Is it snarky and kind of shitheaded? Of course it is. But you know <laughs> what? I mean, that's that's like the larger sentiment of a lot of the boots on the ground right now these days. So I get it, man. I'm, I'm, I get it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, to put some clarification on the the resume, um, that, that, that resume, that, that was essentially my, my Hail Mary because I was 39 at the time. Yeah. Uh, so age 40 is the hard cap. Doesn't matter what, how old you are after age 40 or how long you've been for service, uh, merit position waivers for age does not really to that.
0: Well, it's 37 um, and a half, but it was 40 for you because you already had temp time that you could apply towards that perm position, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell HR that and we'll give you 20 different answers, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's super hard but, to navigate. Uh, yeah. So I, I had uh, some uh, o- overhead that I've worked with over the years and they have worked with uh, regional hiring, which for region five is in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And they've told me that the, they, 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 kind of, they like to see uh, more personality and a bit of humor and set some of the resumes and that, from, from what I've heard and what, what I've seen in one case in particular, that has go, that have gotten people hired permanently uh, th- throughout the years. Um, so it, my, my, my resume, it, you know, if, if you take out the sarcastic shit bits in there, um, it, it, it's essentially the, the, the same. Those are things that were just kind of added to kind of put in a little more uh, sense of humor in it. You know, like I said, pretty much my, my, my last chance to get a permanent position because of my age. So, um, I, I I just added those in there. I was reluctant to add those in there, which is why I did do it till my very last uh, eligibility for permanent hire. But uh, that, that 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 was what I ended up doing. And uh, my 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 mentality was, uh, you know, what's the worst thing they're going to do to hire me? Yeah. Little did I know it was going to get way worse. <laughs>
0: Well, that's another, that's, that's another thing. Aside from all like the the sarcastic stuff and the humor that you, element that you put into your resume mm-hmm. for the rest of it, it was professional. It was an actual resume. It was like, it was good resume, right?
1: Yeah. There was, the, the only thing that I had changed was I added those bits of sarcasm and the cover letter. And then the the rest of the resume is just, yeah, I worked here and here for you know, yeah. 12, 13 seasons.
0: Oh, so this was in your cover letter, not the resume itself. Okay. Yeah,
1: that, that, that was that was just my cover letter. So just the one page of that stuff, and then once you get into my actual resume of where, where I served, or who I served with, what years. Yeah. It's um, there was no, none of that was, was in there. This, the cover letter was something I did in like five six minutes, yeah. and then like okay, and then nothing else I could change in the in the application. I just turned the one nine into a two zero, and that was that was it. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. But the, the bigger picture here is that that cover letter with the sarcasm on it and the humor element was used as ammo as well to ultimately yeah. deny you of rehire rights for 2021, even as a temp seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh man. Okay. So they denied you rehire rights as a temp seasonal and you have no, uh, adverse actions, your, I saw your performance eval, you got, uh, fully successful, I believe Mm -hmm. is what it said in the document here. So yeah,
1: fully, fully successful eval from my captain and uh, the OPM, the email letters that you get uh, was also fully successful.
0: Okay. So there wasn't like a switcheroo or anything like that. Nope. Okay. Now you had a verbal reprimand, but there is a paper trail of documentation or was there any paper trail of documentation? to justify their, uh, I guess, denial of rehire rights.
1: Um, so the, uh, w- w- once the CEO got started getting documentation, they, documentation from them, sorry. Um, the documentation that, that, I, that I saw was, um, they, they, they tried to paint the three weeks that I, that I was, uh, pissed off to scrum and not having a good attitude as my whole fire season. Um, there, there, there was a, an incident, with the truck, um, I, I had uh, been dispatched to a fire that my engine was already on. I was serving as a Type 5 incident commander on that same wildfire. Um, just by myself, though, I wasn't 371 that day. Um, as I was coming back, uh, we had some lightning. I, I was dispatched to join the, my, my crew on that fire because it was a fresh start. Um, they, they weren't able to give me a legal, but I had a good idea where it was at. And I at, at the end of the day, let make one for sure. I, I I went one turn too soon to the fire, so that one turn too soon was a dead end. And once I realized it was a dead end, I went to back out of it. It was, it was a narrow, narrow spot. You know, trying to keep my eyes out the best I could. Um, obviously, it wasn't good enough because I hit the rear passenger side. Hit uh, hit a tree, and it made a pretty good sized dent in back. Backlight was uh, shattered on the passenger side. Um, it was a good indentation all along the back, but uh, I mean the, the the car was still functional. The truck was still functional. I wasn't injured, um, so I, I proceeded and I took the next turn, to the right one, and I tied into the to the fire with the with the engine, and uh, it, the, the the fire went relatively smoothly. Um, I was debating debating on when to tell or how to tell my my captain. One, because obviously once you get there, um, he's got firefighter twos under him. There's not a lot of experience on, on, on the engine. Um, he's trying to speak with command. There's other incoming resources. I didn't want to overwhelm, overwhelm him with, with another thing. And and anybody that's been on fire a couple seasons knows that, especially when you're in lightning dispatch, um, if you, you're on that one fire, you could easily be dispatched into another to another lightning strike. I mean, it, it could be the start of a long season. I've been on plenty of shifts where you, we're, we're on a lightning plan, and it turns into two days of chasing fires without without rest. So I, I made a judgment right there um, not to tell them until I knew we were going to be safe back at, at our station. And uh, so as, as we were making our, our way back out, it looked like it was probably going to be uh, dead for the rest of the day. It was probably about 10 o'clock at night. Um, so like, okay, I'll have to break the news to them we get back from the station. Um, there, there, there was a, another resource there. They didn't. Their engine didn't have four wheel drive, and they got stuck in the mud. So um, they were using a chain to try and get them free. And as we were trying to get them free, that was when my uh, my my captain noticed um, the accident to the back of the truck, and he asked me what was going on. And uh, that, that was when I I gave him the story like I just told you, and. Uh, he was like, why, why, why didn't you tell me? And then I told him why. And uh, he was like, well, I, I don't care what happens during the fire. Something that happens, you need to tell me right away. And I, I understood his frustration his anger about seeing that and not being told right away. But at the same time, the way it, I, I felt like he was put to task already with everything he was dealing with on that, on that fire, being a fresh start, especially. So I didn't think it was a good idea to let him know about it until, uh, uh, until I knew we were in clear, especially with a uh, lightning plan. Um, so I mean, I I, I he, he was pretty pissed. I let him yell at me till, till I felt like I was two feet tall. I did. I'll, I'll take responsibility. I deserved it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we as we got back to station, we called Phil Borderland and I had a conversation with with, with Phil Borderland and I was told you know yeah, you need to report as as soon as it happens, and. Uh, Little did either one of them know. Um, I, told, I told Brody, but I think he was just so mad he was uh, not really listening to what I had to say. I, I, I shot a text out to my other captain, the battalion chief, and really, uh, as the accident happened, I took a picture and I sent it to him. And I told him, oops, had an accident, sorry. <laughs> and uh, I, the uh, text didn't go out until a couple hours later because, you know, we're in a rural area, don't have very good reception. But he, he he did get the uh, uh, text. Um, but at, at the end of the day, um, Stroberg and management tried to pass it off as me not reporting an accident and not you know trying trying to hide an accident essentially. Um, so yeah, when my uh, captain went, went, went on the stand, he recruited all that. He's like no, I, I got a text message from him. He, he, he did report it. And then when Stroberg was on the stand, they asked them like. Were you aware that Rios had sent a text out to the Italian Chief informing of an accident? And Strover like, "No, I didn't know." And it's just, it's just another one of those things. Like that did any kind of investigating part of his job as a district ranger, he he, he he would have known about all this.
0: So, all of this just because of a a door? Not even a door, is a bumper,
1: right? It was, it was the back end, the back passenger side of the truck. It it was the bed and the door, the the back bed trailer, uh, tailgate, sorry, still, still open. It was just the passenger side was pretty smashed.
0: And they're going to do this. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not I, gonna I, lie. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm lie, new. dude. I've smashed <laughs> the shit out of some uh government vehicles before, and uh dude,
1: I, I've known people who've smashed the shit out of fucking vehicles without permanence. I've I've seen people do it while they're permanents. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That shit happens, though. It's like you can't. As long you you, you I, in my opinion, I mean, I wouldn't want to tell my captain or my FMO or whoever <laughs> you know or my Foz during a lightning bus be like hey, dude, uh, we need to take care of this right now because it's not the time or place, man. If it's shitting and getting on a lightning bust, a packed Mm -hmm. lightning bust, I'd be like, hey, man, after this, we got to talk about this. So, I mean, I would wait for a little while. I I, I get it. I get it, man. But also, you already have this kind of like feeling that I I can only assume that you have this feeling that you're under the microscope and that you're being watched and they're just, I don't know, looking at you with every little thing to document. So I can understand that I, I would be kind of afraid to tell him because I could see like the snowball effect kind of rolling already, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, when when, when that happened, um, I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was, I was under a mic- microscope. I was just like, shit, this is the last thing I want to tell my, my captain. Because the, the captain, like I said, there were these changes. My main captain was battalion chief and my um, captain, it was his first year as captain. Um I, I felt super. I, still to this day, I still feel super bad for him because um, all the shit that happened had nothing to do with him. He, he, he didn't deserve this. Is the, this is his first year as a captain. it has got to be stressful as hell. Dealing all this stuff and then, um, yeah, accident like that happens with, with, with the truck. It's like, God, this is not going to be good for, uh, for for my relationship with my captain. That's already fractured with with, with the COVID stuff. Uh, with the you know talking to me one on one about the attitude and, and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, this this is just another cog in, in in the wheel on that front. Um, but I mean, uh, as, as far as anything goes with that captain, I mean, I, I, have, I have no hard feelings ill towards towards that guy. I, I think he's a great guy. Like I said, I, I followed him into into any fire. Just that year was just it, it, it was a shit year. Um, you know, on, on multiple fronts for 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 COVID. Um, for for me dealing with management, um, for my worrying about my my son, um, there there, there was a lot of factors. Um but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm super apologetic to my captain and having to go through all that, especially his first season of the captain. He didn't any
0: Yeah, I mean, either way, though, that day, at the end of the day, man, like, what the f- what the fuck is going right. on here? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the thing, man. It's like, and I'm looking through your the court document right now, and it's it's saying that. The uh, Office of Special Counsel or was, was contacted and uh, it was alleged that the agency did not hire you, rehire you for the 2021 season because of the July 8th, 2020 social media post. Now, that's, a, that's yeah, you can't do that. That's a whistleblower protected uh, action. You're not, rev- no. and also you're off duty as well.
1: Right, so um, part of the documentation about that's released from, from the EEO investigation was the fact that they had multiple meetings about me and my social media posts. And there was a guy uh, who, uh, I, I forget exactly what his, his title was, but um was Jack Fisher. Um, he had a, a, a authority over what was offensive to the CFR and what wasn't in these documentations that I had. And he noted to the Climate National Forest Management that my post did not offend the, the, the CFR and that it was likely a whistleblower protected act. He didn't conclusively say it was, but looking at the documentation, my my, my post, um he said that as frustrating as it is, it's uh likely under whistleblower protection.
0: Yeah, it's uh under the whistle, uh, I'll read the part of it here that says it's under the whistleblower protection enhancement act of 2012, the WEPA, uh, WPEA, the board has jurisdiction over an IRA appeal. If the appellate has exhausted the administrative remedies before OSC makes non frivolous ag- allegations that one, they're made by protected disclosure, pre- pursuant to five USC, blah, 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 uh, Or they have engaged in a protective activity described under 5 U.S.C. uh, 2302 B9A1-B, C, D, and 2. That's a lot of CFRs. And if you know how to read legal code, well, that's kudos to you. But uh, disclosure or protective activity was a contributing factor in the agency's decision to take or fail to take a personnel action as defined by 5 blah, 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 blah. The precedent case would be Kerrigan versus Department of Labor. Um, Goes on to say it's actually got a a ton of precedent cases, and basically, at the end of the day, this action that they tried to uh, deny you rehire rights under was a was not a prohibited action on your part. Mm -hmm. So, and there's like a ton of other stuff that is mentioned in here, and there's a ton of uh case precedence and it all involves i mean there's one here from the social security Administration, the air force homeland security department of labor it goes on and on and on and on and on because they have to disclose all this stuff in yeah mm. uh, the judgment there or the uh the verdict but yeah man i mean as far as it goes with you i mean I'm just reading off the court document right now and kind of scanning through it. But from your understanding, how did this whole thing play out and how did it, how did it all go down with you?
1: Um, What what do you you mean specifically?
0: Like what was, if you were talking to say I was, uh, or say I was you and you were the lawyer, your lawyer, right? Explain it to me like I'm five. How did this whole thing like work and why were you protected?
1: Um, so, I mean, I, I think it says in the, the, the judge's decision. So that there, there was two, um, two different uh, arguments that I had made that the judge went through. One of them was that I, I felt it constituted gross mismanagement mm-hmm. because uh, the, the plague was <laughs> the, plague, the the plague. COVID thing was, uh, it, it was recognized by the U.S. government
0: as a public health safety, uh, right? Uh, public health
1: yeah, as a, as a public health issue throughout throughout the u.s and um i constituted it as gross mismanagement because uh national Forest management didn't have any protocols to protect from a covid hot zone from a recognized um health hazard across the u.s um the 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 judge denied that as a whistleblower status status claim because uh gross mismanagement um Refers more to being able to adhere to their mission statement, and uh, their, their, their their mission statement doesn't have anything really to do with uh, um, taking care of firefighters and or for isolation. You know, there, there wasn't, uh, it wasn't it 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 didn't go against uh, protecting the lands was another, probably a better point. Um, so because it didn't constitute that, there, there wasn't gross mismanagement. Um, another argument that I had made was there, that there was an immediate threat to the public safety. And that's where the judge ultimately agreed with me on. Um, so because of that singular one, um, doesn't have to fall under every possible whistleblower scenario. It just has to fall under one because of the threat to public safety it fell under whistleblower
0: protection yeah because i'm reading through the uh gross mismanagement thing and it's he has the judge has the justification of why he can't agree with that necessarily but right below that in the next uh argument where is it yes yeah uh substantial and or substantial and specific danger to public health and safety and that's where the uh, judge ultimately agreed with your your claim, your case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this is long. I'm on page 15 of shit, 30 something. Yeah, it's a big read. 41.
1: And, and you know, like like, like I said, you know, all this right here, that's what that's condensed down from all this documentation. There's hundreds of pages here.
0: Yeah. God, man, this is crazy. This is a long document, man. And then all the, yeah, there's the actual court order but this the thing is is that we always have this like this anvil over our heads pretty much about uh speaking out or we always get social media and stuff like that posted over like like hung over our heads like i i i and some of it is you know like obviously if you post a photo of someone's house that burnt down and right. they weren't notified, or you posted mm-hmm. something about, uh, like a, like a fatality fire, right. Mm-hmm. Before it was publicly disclosed, then you can get right. your ass in trouble. And that makes sense yeah. to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of people, I've seen a couple of people in my crew over the years get fired. Um, not, not too many Only on two, but I mean, they, they, they posted some, what they thought was some pretty innocuous stuff turned out to have people's uh, homes in them. Um, they weren't identifiable address, but if you knew the location, you could identify it. Yeah, and that got them in hot water anyway, and they ended up getting fired.
0: Yeah, I mean there is uh, this I guess you have to use discretion, is what I'm getting at. You know, I mean like mm-hmm. don't just start taking photos of shit that you you may not always think twice about it, right? And that that makes sense to me. But I mean, no. what you did and the repercussions that you faced further down the line after this whole thing was like posted and it's you know out there i mean that's i'm not i'm not saying that everybody should do this because there is there's a chance that you are not going to have that that person's not going to have the same outcome as you but this stuff happens all the time and there's like Mm. these whistleblower protections they act they happen they're, they're there for a reason for instance for you which it worked out in your favor but also, what about the other stuff, like failure to do uh, actual gross mismanagement stuff, right? Which you didn't exactly. get, right? But
1: yeah, that, that, so the public the, safety, yeah, the gross yeah. mismanagement one. Um, the, the 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 judge cited uh, the poor service mission statement, which mm-hmm. had to do with protecting the uh, so serving the public and protecting the land, something of that nature. And uh, the judge ruled that that wasn't uh, necessarily a Whistleblower Protected Act mm-hmm. under under that uh, reasoning gross management, but yeah, the specific danger to public health. Of my reasoning there is very sided with me.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, is like these whistleblower things happen all the time, like things that are legitimately yeah. uh, reportable under Whistleblower Protection Act, like things like sexual assault or harassment or uh, you know, wrongful and, termination. In right? like my
1: opinion, and I never talked to this about my attorney, but I'm really interested in fraud. You know, when you put in a 16-hour shift and go to finance and they rip it up? Tell you know, to so put 15 and can, a half. Especially when, especially when it's signed by someone who's on the ground. Um, yeah, I've seen people stand up to that. Um, they do get their 16, but then they're kicked off the fire with the next shift. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a solicitable protected act. That'd be something I'm, I'm really interested in um, now that this is all behind me and uh, exploring. I wonder if I could talk to my... Attorney about
0: that yeah, I'm about to say if uh your attorney wants to join us and explain how all this works because i i i, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people out there that have uh done the right thing and have mm-hmm. suffered the consequences for it. I don't know if right. that's necessarily whistleblower or if that's something else that they'd be tra- protected under, but I've seen people get fired for bullshit reasons because well mm-hmm. they spoke out
1: yeah
0: that's exactly. and that's mm-hmm.
1: that's the big thing the only, right? the only uh, crime is just speaking
0: out yeah. And I think that's the bigger picture thing too. Is that, that that culture of fear and that culture of reprisal and fear of reprisal, it, mm-hmm. it's it's coming to a head. And I think people are finally getting pissed. And when your story broke that you won your case for the whistleblower protection, that moved a lot of people. And I think it empowers people. Is what I'm getting at. It, it empowers people to be proactive in doing what's right. We're always from the day we step foot in fire, we're always told do what's right, duty, respect, integrity, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, how come that's a one-way street with some of these places, you know?
1: Well, because most of the people in Forest Service management, they never went into fire in the first place so they never heard that. <laughs> you well,
0: know, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we do have a paramilitary organization ran by people with, you know, doctorates, never step foot in the mm-hmm. fire line, but that's, right. that's, that's a completely different, larger, story right that's a yeah. completely different subject as far as you go where where does it go from here from for you
1: um yeah i'm i'm not exactly sure so i, I mean the, the the fact that i even won the case um it, you know just recently uh, you know once uh once everything was finalized with the attorney and the defense about settlement um, it, it, re- it really landed home that, yeah, I actually fucking won after almost a year and a half of going through this. Um, so I, I, I'm not exactly sure what the next plans are. I, I know there's people out there that want to hear my story and I'm, I'm more than happy to be as open as possible to make time um, for anybody that wants to hear what I went through um, and how I ultimately became victorious. Um, to, to totally open to a uh, I've um, have, had have, have interviews with, with people about that, uh, especially because I know how important this is to the wildfire community. This definitely is, is a precedent. Um, and I, I, I hope and I, I, know, I know two people who have come to me and uh, told me that uh, because of what I went through and winning the retaliation case, it inspired them to actually uh, look into uh, their, their their own their own case for right, for their own group um But I I sent you the, the email to to one of them. It's a the person that was in fire uh for the park service wants yeah. to do it do an interview with me. Um you know, that's supposed to happen on, on Monday. But uh yeah I mean that, that that's that's awesome to hear. I I love that. That's uh not 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 the main reason. I I I had done it. Um I was pissed off and I, I wanted justice. And uh but you know now now that I have that justice uh people can get a
0: piece of it too, go for it. And that's the thing is the power is really in your hands. I mean, yeah, not all of them are going to, uh, be a sink, you know, a, a bucket shot and like scoring that triple, that, that three pointer from the, uh, from the line. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's where your attorney comes in and that's where the important part is to have legal, uh, defense as well, or not legal defense, but yeah, you know, legal representation,
1: representation. Yeah. Right. And, and, and as far as uh, attorneys go, um, I, 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 I sunk, my own money into securing my, my own defense attorney and that was thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. So I mean, if you're, if you're really serious about pursuing any action against management, um, be prepared, put in a bit of your own money. Um, l- luckily for for me, it, 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 uh, I knew tax season wasn't too far off. So it wasn't going to hit as hard, but I mean, it's, it's a bit of money, especially when you're, when you're a GS4 grade, and, you know, you got to secure X, X amount of money for, for your attorney. But uh, I, I highly recommend if anybody is really serious about it, don't talk to a friend and don't talk to a friend of a friend. Secure a lawyer. It's going to cost money, but if you really believe in your case, it's going to be worth it.
0: Well, yeah. And when you talk to an attorney, they're going to screen your case and they're going to look at the burden. Yeah, of actually,
1: I, was, I was vetted thoroughly.
0: Yeah. You'll get vetted through the attorney right now. If you have yeah. a legitimate case to where it's a, a, a thing that they... I'll have a good chance of winning because whistle. It even says in the court documents uh that whistleblower claims are very hard to win
1: mm-hmm.
0: it even says that in here yeah. however there might be opportunities for some some attorneys to do pro bono and pro bono work is or a contingency work rather not pro bono pro bono is for free but uh contingency like the work off of a contingency so if it actually goes to court and there is a settlement or something like that, they're going to take a cut or if not all of it, but yeah, be prepared to pay up some money yeah, for yeah, these, if, for these attorneys, man, if they're if expensive.
1: Serious. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had some people DM me about, um, go, go, going, going through legal grounds to, uh, go after the forest service. And you know, what, one, one thing they tell me is, uh, you know, they're talking to friends who are attorneys or friends of friends who are, you know, attorneys. You now, if, if you're really serious about it, you got to put your money where your mouth is. You got to put in those thousands of dollars in security attorney. Um, I, I'd like to give out how much I spent uh, kind of private with, with, with my attorney. So I don't want to put him on blast. Um, I don't know if, if he has a varying rate or what, what have you, but the, uh, just be, be prepared to spend in a good chunk of money on, on, on an attorney if you're serious. But Like I said, it was well, well, well worth it. Hell yeah, man.
0: Well... Thank you for telling your story and telling us how this whole, uh, this whole incident kind of went down and the remedies to it. I mean, that's huge. I mean, there are options for the people out there that have something similar going on or maybe Mm -hmm. something, uh, completely different that maybe they spoke out about something else that got them fired. And if it was like a legitimate concern to where it's a, a reprisal thing, well then, you might have legal grounds to fight back. And that's a big thing because a lot of people are scared to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's, uh, oh, just over the years, you know, I've had captains try to challenge, you know, what what, what hazard pay would constitute, you know, because they're, 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 they're driving in, in the snow, going to a medical. The, the roads are slick, but I, that doesn't constitute hazard pay. It's like, how? You know, we're, we're in a 30, 50,000 pound vehicle where we're on unsafe roads, we're responding to a medical. Where there's inevitably fluids from the other person, how is that not constituting hazard pay? It's like, why why is finance being so stingy about getting us what's very 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 basic? You know, obviously Okay, there's road hazards, there's fluid hazards. That should be hazard pay. You know, when when a Sawyer is chopping chap, up and doing a project work and just thought falling a tree, you know, they're not getting hazard pay. Like, why aren't they getting hazard pay here? Literally geared up. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 you know anything goes wrong with this tree if they missed it, any kind of uh, disease kill on, on on the tree the tree goes go the wrong way you know it's just I don't understand why they fight so hard to not let a sound hazard day. and it, it's actually a really interesting thing that I found out just last year when I went back to the private sector fire um, I'm on a company that does daily rates. So it doesn't matter if I work 10 hours a day, 12, 16, I, I, I get a, I get a daily rate. And uh, the, the the equivalent of the daily rate that I had gotten, um, was, I, was, I was an engine boss trainee, so I got a little more, but I'll, I'll go back to the equivalent. A firefighter one daily rate last year was uh, 300 a day. If, if, I, if I was a GS4, um, I'd have to, I think, meet 15-hour shifts to... Beat that rate, and uh on, on an engine, you, you're not guaranteed 15 hours. I've got or 16 hours. I've gotten 15, 14s on on the shift because I don't know if I am a little more stingy stingy with uh, engines than they, are, than they are on hand crews. But to uh, I me mean, that that daily rate that I'm making more money than I was with support services of the GS4 just that Firefighter One rate because all the engine boss made a little more. But the the, the comparative rates. Are pretty insane. I, I've seen as, as much as a 750 a day daily rate for engine captains. Oh, wow. Like, wow, that's way more than for four service gives. And uh, yeah, you, you, even even with step increases that the, the give you after a while, um, it's hard to beat that you know, 650, 700, 750 rate. And uh, with, with Biden's infrastructure proposal, um, everybody should be getting decent raises this year. We'll see how, how well that holds with inflation. But uh, the, 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 pri- the private sector, I didn't know until uh, January, February, the private sector got adjustments on their rates a- as well. So from what I've seen, uh, Firefighter 2, if you've never had boots on the ground, their daily rate will be three forty three daily. And it's wild. wow, <laughs>
0: that's pretty sweet. That's pretty good, man. And that, that's yeah. a whole bigger picture thing, though, this is just like the, the fear of reprisal, the whistleblower, the pay the uh, benefits for like buying back your temp time for retirement or
1: mm-hmm.
0: mental health or health benefits year round for temp seasonals, man, that's, that's where all this grassroots stuff comes in, man.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I had actually gotten screwed over on a, a, a permanent position. Um, so in 2019, this kind of circles into the 2020 stuff as far as the EEO stuff goes, um, in October, November, 2019, I been accepted for a position on Ferdona, Arizona, uh, for a, a demo position. And, uh, I don't really know what demo, if it stands or something, but essentially you don't have to put in the 5,000 hours of apprenticeship time. You're just part, yeah. a full-time. There's permanent.
0: DEU and, uh, merit. So demo is DEU. I, I want to say, I think, someone okay. correct me. if the I'm demo. Wrong. Yeah. Demo demographic demo. Uh, it's okay. just like anybody can put in for that merit. You have to be, you have to have previous, um, experience or previous, uh, SF 50, I believe. I believe that's how okay. it works.
1: Okay, yeah. But uh, anyway, I had gotten a position for Younger Arizona. Um, I, I accepted the, the position. I, I had my hand, my handship. by in near every permanent on on district Houston uh, district. And then I hadn't heard anything for about a month, and so I called them back up. Like I said, about October, November, twenty nineteen, and I had uh, been told that the position was taken away from me. And they didn't have any details from it. I just called Fredonia uh, Arizona. Uh, I don't know. I forget what forest they're on, but I, I called the forest. And they didn't have any details for me, but uh, that was the, the news that I was given. And I was just thinking, it would be been nice to get a fucking notice, you know. <laughs> me, me and my my wife, and we were moving our kid, and we were looking at places in uh, Kaibab, Utah, and uh, Hurricane, Utah. We were pretty dead set on trying to find a place in that area we were, Planning on making a big life change, so it would have been nice to be notified. But I called the uh, human resources and asked what the details were, and it turns out, in 2019, I was 38. Um, demo positions aren't available for people age 37, 37 and over. And uh, yeah, so once I got that information, uh, I put 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 in a complaint, um, and it took a while, but I finally got a hold of someone. And they said that the, you know, the hiring council you know, did their best to, to, to try and get you in. Um, but because you were over their age limit, you didn't qualify for it. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was pretty, it was annoying the fact that it was taken away. It was also annoying about the fact that they didn't even bother to notify me. They had a dig to find out what the details were. Um, so that, that, that was when I initially filed a, a complaint with the, with the EEO. Um, because I've been ha- having so many hiring issues. I, I feel like every time I had a hiring issue, I called HR to get it sorted out so that when it happened again, there'd be a new thing. It's like they're trying to have excuses not not to hire me for whatever reason. And But, but believe it or not, before this COVID incident, I was pretty quiet under, under the radar guy. I never had any issues. I always had good evals. involved. I was great record with, with, with everybody I worked with. So uh, I, I don't know who I could piss off to not want to go to great lengths not to hire me for a full-time position. But... Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, I had gotten a hold of this EEO, and this take, getting a hold of this EEO took a long time um, because it, there's different types of EEOs. There's state EEOs, there's federal EEOs, and then there's federal EEOs that are only only have so much jurisdiction in a certain range. So uh, the first EEO I had gone through was in San Francisco. That wasn't the correct EEO. I went to another one in Washington. That wasn't the correct EEO. I went to a, a EEO. In the DC area, that wasn't the correct EEO. And uh, so fa- finally, uh, fourth or fifth time to charm, I got the correct EEO in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. And uh, so that this woman, uh, I, I, I gave her my, my grievances. And then by, by the time it essentially went forward, it was probably July, no, August of 2020. So this was on top of all the shit I had already gone through with management, being on 7 1 uh, the vehicle accident. Um, and the, the case never went forward with that claim because I was on the August complex which is the Mendocino that burnt for a million acres. Yeah. Um, so I, so I had missed the, the the mail that that had come to me and my wife, she doesn't really know the special anything special that's coming from me. So she did not think twice to tell me what, when, when I got home, but I had looked through some stacks of paper and, uh, October, no, no, in December of 2020, because I called the same EEO e- for the uh, um, cases that, that I ultimately won, um, and I had t- told her, no, I, I never got anything about it, and she said, well, we sent you something in August of 2020. Can you ever get it? I was like, well, I was on fire, so I might have missed it, and eventually I looked through a bunch of old uh, documents, doc- old mail and it was in the middle of all that old now. So it never went forward because I was on fire and missed it. But uh, that the, happens all the time, have,
0: though, man. That's like, it's one of those things. It's like, it needs to be more streamlined and more efficient. Like,
1: well, th- th- things need to be made. And I don't know how much in the guy, I'm, I'm sure military and personnel have the same issue, but it'd be great if they could streamline things more for firefighters because, you know, we're emergency sector, we don't know where we're going to be. A lot of times, especially in that uh, August complex, there's no reception anywhere in, in, in Mendocino.
0: A lot of those um, fires, there's no reception. It's like,
1: yeah, I mean, and then you have a, you have apprenticeship hiring and obviously you have to try and find reception for. Yeah, so I, I, I found out a couple of years ago, uh, BLM they do their hiring in January. It's like, why doesn't foresters do that? What the hell? But uh, yeah, so uh, um, my, my my issues with the hiring kind of culminated. With that, that demo position, I ended up filing an EEO complaint, got dismissed because I missed the mail that came my way, which is only a 14-day deadline, so I probably would have missed it. Regardless. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it, it was actually thank, thanks to all that um, process that I was able to immediately find an e, the, the EEO once I got the call from Strober that he was hiring me the next season. So if it wasn't for that, I probably would have been another month or two from being able to, to do any kind of filing because I didn't have the person to contact and they, they don't make it easy to contact. No, I, I, I was, I was thinking about making an Instagram post, posting the person's EEO number, but knowing the government will probably catch it, change the number. And so and if, <laughs> if people have any complaints that they want to file through the right way, I'll be happy to give you the, my attorney's number and EEO numbers.
0: And that's the thing is like a lot, a lot of this information is not, readily available to the And they make it that way. They make it that way. Yeah. It's like trying to get EAP benefits. Mm-hmm. Not really widely advertised of how to do this, right? So, right. you got to do some digging. You got to put in a lot of work. You got to put in a lot of miles with you yeah. know, both your brain and your your fingers as typing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's the uh, the information, albeit buried, it is out there, but it definitely helps to have help from an attorney. That's for damn sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, if anybody wants to DM me about uh, uh my 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 attorney or the EO process, um you can DM me on, on Instagram at, at RiosTeo, Jets two T's. Um I'm on Facebook as well, I'm not as active on there. Uh TTO Bell. Uh yeah, but I'm, I'm happy to help it. anybody that wants to try and uh, um not let four service get away with it and get right
0: Hell yeah, man. Well, it looks like we're getting towards the end of the show, man. And, uh, yeah, as a per tradition, I always uh, give you the opportunity to give a shout out to some homies, heroes, mentors before we go. So who do you got for us, man?
1: Um, let's see. I, I don't know. I'm kind of on, on the fence. Uh, you know, I, I don't really want to put too many people on. Board, but I don't want for service management to hear this. Okay. We're going to target these people next. So, uh, and anybody that that's worked with me over the years, uh, from firestorm to uh, forest service to the, the uh, AD uh, crews. You, you, you know who you are. Uh, I, th- I think about you guys a lot. Um, I hope you guys have been watching my case. Um, stay safe out there. If, if you're not in fire, but you still keep tabs, hope you're happy doing what you're doing now.
0: Hell yeah. Well, Pedro. Aka Tito, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pedro. Thank you so much for being on the show, man, and sharing your story. It's definitely uh, powerful stuff, and you know, I hope it helps uh, some people out there that are experiencing some similar things that you went through, or if not worse. I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot of people out there that have some bullshit that they're going through, and they probably need some uh, some justice, some closure as well. And I hope definitely. that your story inspires them to seek that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And thank you for doing what you do with your Anchor Point podcast. It's been
0: awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much once again. And uh yeah, we'll uh get to, we'll keep talking, man. We'll uh get you off the show and we'll see you on the next one. So everybody stay I'll safe go. out there. Later. And boom. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friend, Mr. Pedro Rios. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, explaining what happened and giving your take on the situation. I mean, yeah, this is all public knowledge and it's all pretty much laid out there in the, uh, I guess, public lawsuit. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that. I don't speak legalese, but whatever paper comes with the judgment or whatever it is. So yeah, you can uh, go. I'll actually, you know what? In fact, I'm going to put a link to the uh, actual judgment and uh, what the judge say? They the said the the case, the whole the whole kid in Kabul, right? I'll put some links in the show notes in case you want to uh, check it out. But Pedro, dude, thank you so much. I'm sure that your uh, story is going to help some other people because I know there is a big fear of reprisal out there. Unfortunately, it happens. Um, yeah, it sucks. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess you're going to be moving on to uh, greener pastures, hopefully. So. For anybody listening to this, take some notes. Uh, Hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but if it does, you do have some options. So with that being said, for all those folks out there on the line, I hope you're uh, staying safe, staying healthy, and staying sane. I know this uh, season started off pretty dang early, and it's probably going to be a long one. So buckle up for the uh, long haul. It's going to be a wild one. Stay safe out there. Special shout out to our sponsors, we've got Mystery Ranch, purveyors of the finest damn packs in the land. Mystery Ranch built for the mission. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Backbone series, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out all they have to offer, especially you ladies if you're looking for a new yoke or a women's specific fit yoke, that is. We got Hot Shop Brewery, Kick-Ass Coffee for Kick-Ass Cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So. Go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. We've got the ass man himself over at the ass movement, Mr. Micah Boos. Go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement where you can get 10% off your entire older order site wide with the code anchor point ass 10. And last but not least, we've got Bethany, my homie over at the Smoky Generation. She's doing her thing. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, The apps for the Smoky Generation Grants 2022 are going to end here May 20th. So I highly suggest motivating yourself and going over to www.wildfireexperience.org and putting your apps in. As for the rest of you, you all know the drill. Stay safe, stay savage.
1: Peace.